Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Are you familiar with the eye tests that you have from time to time? I, for a long time, denied reality. I needed an eye test, but I didn't want to admit that I needed an eye test. And so I refused to go and get my eyes tested until it was very late and I should, have been, I should have gone a year earlier. But eventually I went, and I sat down, and they asked me to read the letters on the, on the chart. And when I was younger, I could read extremely well. But my eyes let me down, and I needed to go and get an eye test. And eventually they fixed my eyes. And I decided to do some research into this little phrase, 2020 vision. And I found out that the idea is that 2020 means from 20 feet, you should be able to see what the doctors or the eye specialists define as good or normal human vision. You could have 2010 vision, which means what most people can see from 10 feet, you can see from 20 feet. And only 1% of the world's population have 2010 vision. There is a lady who has 22 vision. She can see from 20 feet what most people can only see from 2 feet. So imagine 2 feet away is very close. They can read even they can see even the little dots of ink on the page and they can see them so clearly because they're only two feet away. She can see that from 20 feet away. Her name's Veronica Seider. She lives in Germany. And she's a bit like a, a superhero. She's got superhuman sight. She can recognize a person from a mile away. Exactly. She can tell exactly who it is from a mile away. And it's not just far that she can see. She can see extreme detail close up. They, they tested her, and on a tiny piece of paper the size of a postage stamp, she could write with a very fine tool, she could write 10 pages of poetry on the size of a postage stamp and read it perfectly back to them. She's got extraordinary eyesight, this lady. You know, eagles are well known. The, the bird, the eagle, is well known for having amazing eyesight. They've got 25 vision. In other words, what we can see from 5 feet, they can see from 20 feet. But this lady has 22 vision. She's much better than an eagle. Isn't that amazing? And you know what she decided to become? She discovered she had this amazing eyesight when she was at university. What do you think she could have become? as a career. She could have become a, a sniper in the army or, I don't know, something to do with visual arts where she could look at, look at a picture and tell you if the colors were correct or if the detail was correct. She became a dentist so that she can see the cavities in your teeth before you've even sat down in the chair. You smile, you say, hello, dentist. She says, ah, ha, ha, money for me today. Veronica Sider. Amazing. The Bible talks about vision 
perfect vision, 2020 vision, and a new vision in many different aspects. I don't know if you're aware of this. I love to do this about the Bible. I love to take an idea or a word or a theme, and I love to look at how it trends through the whole Bible. And this idea of vision is a big one. In Job chapter 39, God is talking to Job about all the wonders of creation that he's made. And he says, the eagle sits up high on a mountaintop and it can see much further than most other things can see. Job 39 verse 29. This idea of being able to see from afar, see the big picture. Imagine you could see so clearly that you could see a mile when most people could only see a few feet. Imagine how how much of an advantage. You would be like much, much better than most people around you. You could do so many more things. When you're walking down the street, you see someone you don't want to speak to, you can cross to the other side of the street before they've even seen you. The eagle can see from afar. But then the Bible talks about vision from God's perspective. It talks about God seeing the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And he gives vision to people. And so in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, he he gives a vision to Habakkuk. And he says, write the vision down. Make it plain. Why? So that whoever reads it can run. So God gives vision to people. And it's not just talking about eyesight. It's talking about being able to see the bigger picture, the bigger perspective, and being able to have God's idea of things so that... You can run like God wants you to run. I want that. Amen. But then there's this beautiful passage in Ephesians chapter 1, which I'm going to read with with you today. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. Sorry, not verse 1. Verse 16. Paul is praying. He says, I do not cease to give thanks For you, he's writing to these wonderful people in Ephesus who he loves. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. He says he's praying for these Ephesians all the time. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. So this is what Paul was praying for them. And if Paul was praying it for them and God put it in his word, then it's a good prayer. It's a perfect prayer. And we can pray it for ourselves and for each other. But also we know it's God's will for us. So he says, I'm praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. Say to yourself right now, God wants me to have this. Paul prayed it, therefore I want it. God wants it for me. May give you. God wants to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened or opened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. He says God wants to give you, Paul is praying that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In other words, understanding beyond what you have normally that the eyes of your understanding, or another version says the eyes of your heart, would be opened and enlightened. And what I want to say today, my first point, is that you do not have perfect vision. You do not have 2020 vision. You do not have a vision for the future unless you have God's 
wisdom and understanding and revelation. The, the eyes of your understanding, the eyes of your heart being opened by Him. Unless you have God opening these inner eyes, you can have the best eyesight in the world and you are disabled because you cannot see correctly. You cannot see fully. You cannot see 2020. You can have the best physical abilities. You may have had the past year being such a good year and you achieved all your goals and you succeeded and you did well. And you're looking forward to the new year and you're saying, I'm going to smash this. I can do this. I can achieve. I can overcome. I can conquer. And this verse says, and many others in the Bible say, if you're relying only on your physical abilities, your physical knowledge, your physical sight, it's not enough. God prays, Paul prays to God for you and me that we would have the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our hearts opened. And so my first prayer for all of us is that as we go into a new year, we are looking for God's vision. Yes, I pray God would make all of us see well, and He can, and He heals our physical eyes, but that is nothing compared to having God's sight for the year ahead and for our families and for the world around us. Amen? And the great thing is, if Paul prayed it, and if it's in his word, we claim it, and God says, yes, I will do that. There's a beautiful verse in 1 John 5 that says, if we pray anything according to his will, we know he hears us, and we know we have what we've prayed. And we know this is his will. So we're going to pray and say, Lord, give me your vision. Let me be like the eagle who can see the bigger picture. Let me see from your perspective for the year ahead. And if you want that and if you believe that, then you need to inside and maybe out of your mouth, I know it's risky, but try it, say amen. Amen. Let me read on. He goes on to say, uh, he's going to talk about two ways that we can see correctly. Remember, we're talking about God's perspective, God's point of view. It's going to be the future and it's going to be the present. So he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be opened, enlightened, that you may know, number one, the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He's talking about heaven. He says where we are ending, what is our final goal and destination is heaven. You need God's help to open your eyes to say, actually, I'm not living just for this life, not just for this year, not just for what I can see and touch. I'm living for a bigger picture, for eternity. And then he goes on to say, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. He says, you need God's help to see not just where you're going, but to see yourself, to see the power that's in you. You see, we look at ourselves from a physical perspective. We say, I don't feel so powerful. My body sometimes is weak. I, I can't always do the things I want to do. I have weaknesses and failings and, and limitations. But God says, I want to show you the power that's in you. And it's a power that you need supernatural revelation to understand because we wouldn't know it otherwise if God didn't show us. There's a, there's a power within you that you don't realize you have. And now listen to what he says. He describes that power. According to the working of his mighty power, 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what he's saying is, if you want a picture of that power that's in you, look at Jesus. Jesus was dead in the grave after he'd been crucified for three days, which means his body temperature had gone down to normal, to zero, to air temperature. His body systems had completely ceased functioning. He was a dead body for three days and God's power came into that dead body. And it says, he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, not just raised him from the dead. He took him all the way up to heaven and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He goes to great pains to explain that the, the power of Jesus now is he's in heaven. He's above every name, every authority, every problem, every power, not just now, but forever in any age that you can imagine, past, present or future. He is above. He is seated above in heavenly places. He says that's what God's power did. It took Jesus from a dead, lifeless body and put him seated above all things. And then he starts to include us in it. Now listen to what he says. He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. So it's not just Jesus sitting in heaven on a throne. He's actually linked to his people on earth, us little groups of people, believers who love God and who meet together and, and worship together. He's linked to us. And he says, the reason he's above all things is for the church. And then he goes on to say, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus fills everything now. And where is the fullness of Jesus expressed? Where can we see the fullness of him who fills everything? In the church. That's where you go to see Jesus. Uh, you may not think that's true. <laughs> you may think, wow, I come to church, I don't see Jesus. Again, which eyes are we using? You see, he's here. He says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm here. He's here, folks. He's here with his power. But now let's read on. You see, there's a chapter break here. So often we stop reading there, but there were no chapters when the Bible was written. And the very next words, he says, and you... He's, he's been giving an illustration of the power of God put into Jesus to raise him up and put him in heaven. And then he says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Just like Jesus was dead in the grave, you and I were dead. You say, I wasn't dead. He says, when you were cut off from God, before you knew God, when you were just relying on your earthly eyes, your earthly ears, your earthly senses to work out what was going on, he says, you were effectively dead to eternity and to heaven and to the reality of the world. You had a, such a small perspective of life that your vision was not 2020. It was much, much worse. But he says, you were dead in your transgressions, but God made you alive. And then he describes the, the life we used to lead. Have you ever heard this phrase? Hindsight is 2020 vision. Have you ever heard that phrase? What it means is when I look backwards, oh, I, I can see everything clearly. But when I'm in the situation, I'm not really sure where to go, what's next, how do I move forward? Hindsight is 2020. When we look back 
on how we used to be. Maybe you look back on the last year and you have some regrets and you have some feelings of pain and you're embarrassed and you want to just avoid and pretend that didn't happen. What he does here is he looks back, but then he says, but now that's gone and we're moving forward. Listen to how he describes the past. He says, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. He says, all of us, every human being, even the best one you can imagine, Who's the best person you know of? Maybe it's your mom or your granny. Maybe it's Mother Teresa. Maybe it's Billy Graham. He says every human being at one time walked according to the prince of the power of the air and we just followed our earthly desires and we just did whatever felt right. And he says we were dead. Everyone. He, he makes it plain again and again. He says all of us, everyone was like that at one stage. But then he goes on, he says, but God... But God, <laughs> God breaks in. And I'm wondering if at the start of this new year, it might be a but God time for you. A time where God breaks in and he says, you have been walking according to these eyes, according to the desires of the flesh, like the rest of the world does. But God is going to open some other eyes and give you a whole new vision of a way forward. He says, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Remember, he's talked about Jesus being dead in the grave and the power came in and he rose up and he went all the way up to heaven. He says, you were dead and God raised you together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up together, made us sit together. Why does he say that? Because remember where Jesus is. He's sitting on a throne in heaven above all principalities, powers, names, everything. Future, present, past. It says we were made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now you might be sitting here today listening to me. And you might be saying, Greg, this sounds very clever and nice and spiritual. But you don't know me. Greg, you don't know the temptations that just beset me every day. Greg, you don't know the failures, the, the mistakes, the, the terrible things that I have done and I continue to do. Greg, you don't know the challenges and the problems that are coming against me, the the diagnosis from the doctor or the financial strain that I'm under or my family problems. You don't know, Greg. How can you say that I'm sitting in heavenly places? And I want to tell you some great news today. That we can have 2020 vision. We can have perfect vision because the Bible says faith comes from hearing his word. And as we listen to this, as we say, God, could that be true of me? You know, the Bible talks about itself like a mirror. 
It says in James 1, if you look at God's word and you forget what it says, it's like looking in a mirror and forgetting what it says. The Bible is a mirror. And as we look in this, faith springs to life. And you say, could it be? I feel like I'm sitting in earthly places. I feel like a failure. I feel weak. Could it be that God has put a power inside of me that's greater, that's as great as raised Jesus from the dead, that actually I have amazing authority and strength and power? Could it be? Could it really be? And that is the start of faith. That feeling within you that says, could it be? And your imagination starts to imagine, well, maybe I am something other than what these physical senses tell me. Maybe I am forgiven. Maybe God does love me. Maybe I am full of the power of God. Maybe I have a purpose in life. Maybe God chose me. Maybe he's got a vision for me for my future. That is when the eyes of your heart get opened. And you start to see something more than what everybody else around you can see. And that is faith. And if it's starting in you today, boy, you are on the start of such an exciting adventure. He goes on to say that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God is just kind and kind and kind. We mess up. And he keeps showing grace and love and lifting us up. And our earthly body keeps failing and thinking wrong and acting wrong and feeling wrong. And he says, no, but your spirit, the real middle of you, the essence of you is seated in heavenly places right now. You are forgiven. You are loved. He goes on to say, for by grace, that means a free gift. By grace, you have been saved through faith. We just believe it. And that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You can't earn this. You can't earn enough and pay enough to get it. It's a gift. You've just got to say thank you. Just like Abraham in the Old Testament. The Bible says he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. All he did was say, yes, God, I believe you're right. What you say is true. That could be you and me today. And then he says, verse 10. And I'm going to close on this. For we are his workmanship. We are. We, those of us who believed in Jesus, are his workmanship. That word workmanship is the Greek word poema, where we get our word poem from. And it means it's the same as, a, as an artist painting a picture. It could be, and in some versions of the Bible it's translated, we are his work of art. We are his workmanship. You are not just your physical cells and muscles and organs. Actually, you're more than that. You've been recreated in the image of God and you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are his workmanship. If you could see how beautiful you are, it would take your breath away because God is the ultimate artist and he's worked on you and you are his work of art. It says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. In other words, it's not just a nice picture that he's painted just for the sake of it. He's made you, you are his workmanship for a purpose. And now he's going to say, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has good things for you to do. He's prepared the good things and he's prepared you, and if you get together with the good things that he's made up for you, then you have an amazing future. 
Now, I started by saying I'm talking about 2020 vision. I'm talking about perfect vision. I'm talking about seeing far and seeing properly and seeing from a bigger perspective. And I want to conclude now by saying that if you get God's vision, not just what your eyes can see, not just what your mind can work out, not just what your physical senses can see. If you get God's perspective, if you get God's vision about yourself, which is the workmanship, and about the things He's got for you to do and the future ahead, it will change your life. You'll go from being like a little chicken pecking around on the ground to being an eagle soaring in, soaring in the air and being able to see the big picture. There are many times in my life where I felt like that chicken. You know what the chicken does? He just pecks. All he can see is about that far in front of his face, and he's just looking for the next piece of food, the little seed or breadcrumb that he can eat, and he just goes around pecking. Every now and again, he looks up and he sees the other chickens, and he says, okay, I'm still with my gang, and he pecks. And he has no idea of the bigger picture, and he goes through his whole life, day after day, until he dies. But the eagle soars. The eagle takes off on a wind current. And he's just lifted up. And he's just blown. And he can see the chickens. And he can see the cage around the chickens. He can see the farmer's house, the farmer's fields. He can see the bigger picture of the roads and the lakes and the rivers. And he goes up and up and up. And he can see the whole vista. And the eagle has vision that far exceeds anything else. And God says, Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart, your understanding, your faith eyes would be enlightened, would be opened, that you would have proper vision, that you would see properly, because if you see who you are correctly, then you get a, an idea of what you want to do and what God wants you to do. The, the workmanship and the good works click together when you see yourself properly, you see what God wants you to do. Now, at the start of a new year, 2020, it is very common for pastors to talk about our vision for this year, 2020 vision. And I was praying about this, and I felt like the Lord said this to me. He said, if people will just see me correctly... If people will just see themselves correctly, then what they've got to do will become obvious. Because if you see the big God that we serve and you see what he's done inside of you, that he's lifted you, that he's forgiven you, that he's washed you and saved you and put you on a throne in heavenly places for the church, for the people around you to do God's work. If you see that, suddenly the things that you've got to do become obvious. And so I don't really want to set targets and goals. About six years ago, we stood up in church and we said, God wants us to be involved in starting 10,000 churches. And most people just said that is a ridiculous number. Don't be silly. Don't even think about it. But I prayed about it over many years since then, and the Lord definitely is saying that to me. 
that we as a body of believers are going to be involved in starting 10,000 churches. But that is such a big goal that it's almost bigger than my lifetime. It's a, it's a many generational goal, I think. Some, some stage, maybe in the next 50 years, it'll happen. But for now, I felt like God said, worship Him. Get to know Him. So the first step of our vision for this coming year is to get to know Him better. Get to know Him. Get to love Him. Get to understand Him. Get to be close and intimate with Him. It's all about Him. If we get close to Him, we will step into our purpose. Number two, it's about us. Get to know how God has forgiven and, and made you a, a beautiful work of art and, and made you perfect and seated you on a heavenly throne and how He puts us together with other believers. It's about us. So it's first about Him, getting close to Him. Then it's about us understanding what God has made us and how He's working amongst us, getting closer to each other, loving each other more, serving each other more, having meals with each other, using our gifts that God has given us more. And then the third is about other people. So it's about Him, it's about us, and then it's about the others. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to keep growing this congregation and the one at St. James. And if God allows us, we'll start another one this year. If not this year, then next year, the coming, the future year. We will start another congregation. I believe it'll be in the West in St. Brillard, but maybe not. Maybe it'll be somewhere in St. Helio, or maybe on the East. Who knows? Who knows where? But I know that if we understand God and what He's made us, then the next steps will become clear. But we will look to Him We'll look at ourselves and then we'll look at others and how we can spread and open the gospel doors so that others can come in. We've got some exciting sermon series coming up. The, the first one that we're going to do starting next week is called Circles, and it's about mental health. You say, Greg, that's a strange title and that's a strange idea to talk about mental health. Did you know that mental health has become... Almost the biggest problem for societies in the West, in, in Europe and America. Mental health is a big issue. And when I speak about mental health, what I'm speaking about is the ability to function in society, for people to fit in and to feel comfortable and to exercise their abilities and their expertise in society productively, while not being overcome by anxiety and depression and anger and all these different things that affect our mental health. And the Bible talks about it in an amazing way. And it's this idea called circles. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians 10 where Paul is speaking to the Corinthians. And he says to them, those who measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves among themselves are not wise. And then he says, but we have a sphere that has been given by God, a circle. It includes you. You have a circle. And we must be careful not to step into other people's spheres or circles. We must understand who we are and who each other person is. And then we will have this peace, this mental health. And so we're going to look at circles. And it's basically, who am I? Who are you? Where do the boundary lines happen? Where are the boundaries where I must 
allow you in and the boundaries where I mustn't allow other people to come in and make me do things that God never wanted me to do. How do I set boundaries and how do I enlarge the circles and include others in a godly way so that I can have peace in my heart? There's a passage in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 where Paul says to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And we're going to talk about that for mental health, having boundaries and know who am I? Who has God made me? Who has God made you? And how do we interact together? So that's going to be a wonderful sermon series for a few weeks. And then after that, we got a, a brilliant sermon series called Rules for a Happy and Successful Life. And basically, it's taking the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20 and the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. And if you look at the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer, they actually are mirror images of each other. Our Father, honor the Lord your God, who art in heaven, make no earthly images. Hallowed be thy name. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. And it goes on all the way through until the end where he talks about, forgive us our trespasses, do, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And here he says, do not commit adultery, steal, covet, etc. And the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments go together and they are rules for a happy and successful life. So we're going to do circles first for a few weeks or months. Then we're going to do the, the second sermon series. And in the meantime, we're going to grow in our knowledge of him in our knowledge of ourselves and each other, and in reaching others. Now you say to me, Greg, what do I do with today's sermon? It's very simple. Do you have 2020 vision? And I'm not talking about your eyes. I'm talking about the eyes of your heart. Have you seen yourself in the mirror of God's word instead of the mirror that's in your bathroom? Have you seen yourself as God says you are? You are raised up with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places, far above all dominion and authority. You are linked with others in the church. You are loved. You are saved. You are forgiven. You are holy. You are pure. You are God's work of art created to do good works, which God has already prepared for you in this coming year. And if you see yourself as you really are, then the good works you'll be able to walk out into them. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.